This is Catherine. And this is Seth. And this is Florians United. That was really long and slow. Yeah, it was kind of weird. Uh, so today we are talking about the infamous episode three of season two. <laughs> and it's going to be on the theme of necessity. And, uh, and the bare necessities will be stuck in my head for all week. So I just wanted to share that with everyone. Also, does anyone actually know the words to that song? Because it's just like, da da da, bare necessities, da da da, bare necessities. That's all I know. That's all and I've got. I feel like I only know the, the word in French. Please tweet at us if you know the words to that song. We're like, we can't Google it. No, I, no, I know we can, but I just want to know if anyone actually knows them or. Uh, or if it's just one of those songs where you just sing the one part, <laughs> everybody just chimes in at this at bare necessities, and then we're like. <laughs> so um, it was my turn to do the theme today, but um, couldn't find a story for the life of me. And you come up with one a good one as you are trying to give idea for me, <laughs> but like it ended up a good one for you, so we decided to give it to you. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Oh, you you don't need to do it anymore because <laughs> our th- our theme today is necessity, um, which is very closely tied in with need. Uh, but anyway, so when I was thinking about, I think when I th- like if someone's just like word association necessity, like I think about food, water, shelter. Like I I think yeah, yes, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah, exactly. Um, for those educator people out there and other folks who might know Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Um, we learned that in high school here. We did not. And uh, and for folks who might not know what it is, it's essentially, I've probably talked about it before, but it's this idea that it's a pyramid and on the bottom, I'm, ma- I'm making the pyramid with my hands like you can see me, <laughs> but on the bottom are, um, are the things that you, your basic needs need to be met before, you know, you can sort of achieve higher enlightenment Right. So like you're not going to the idea for at least from an educating perspective, right, your kids aren't going to be paying attention if they're hungry, they have to go to the bathroom, uh, if they haven't slept. Right. Um, That's that's the general idea. Your basic needs has to be met before you can function. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And so anyway, so yeah, it makes the word necessity sort of brings me to that place, like your basic basic needs. Um, And so I was just thinking about. both of us at different times went through periods where we didn't have a lot of money. Um, you know, there was, it just, it brings to mind a time when, uh, when I first moved to New York city and I was working like several jobs and, um, underpaid yeah it was you know it was like i would go i would literally go from one job to the other i'd be like changing i'd be like on the train like changing clothes and i literally changed my shoes on the side of the road like it was like that level of just like ah (laughs) this side note i worked i was working at a children's museum and starbucks at the same time and i would wear like the same pants but i would change my shirt because i could wear like black pants at both and I got so like when when I was working at the children's museum sometimes there would be things that belonged on other floors and we just like stick it in our pockets and bring it to the next floor except I had forgotten to take stuff out of my pockets so I got to Starbucks and was like what's in my pocket and it was a plastic hot dog roll and I was just like this is what my life is like now <laughs> well now you cover up glitter so I mean yeah that's true it didn't really change no not really but no more plastic hot dog rolls in my pockets although the kids that I nanny did put do put like toys in my backpack sometimes I get home and I'm like it's a fake cell phone um but anyway, side notes. So I was at this point where I was not making a lot, a lot of money, but just like working all the time. And at that time, like 
I would maybe spend $50 a week on groceries because like that and I had to just get like the absolute necessities and I had to like make it last as long as possible. Um, and, uh, you know, there were like my budget was much smaller. So the things like my needs, it was like I had to just get the cheapest things that were going to last me the longest. And then once I started nannying full time in New York and I started having more money, it was interesting um, there, gosh, there's a word for this. And I wish I could remember sort of when your, when your budget increases, when you're making more money, mm-hmm. your needs, sort like all of a sudden, what was a necessity started changing. It was like, oh, I need to have my face cream from Lush. It's very important to me that I have this specific moisturizer, right? Because like, yeah. it works very well for my skin. When I was making no money, I wasn't like, I need to have this special face cream. That was not a necessity for me. But now that I make enough money to afford it, I consider that to just be like a household purchase, like um, like shampoo or conditioner. I'm like my face cream. That's important to that me. That are all from Lush. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. I'm a. I worked at Lush once, and now I'm just a Lushy forever. If you don't know yeah. about Lush, don't. It'll ruin your life and take all your money. But you'll feel good about it because yeah. they're they're such a great company. I could talk about a podcast about Lush. Anyway, other podcast idea. Tim, Tim, Tim. But anyway, we were going to take a trademarked company and make a podcast about it and then trademark our pod. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so I thought it was interesting that that necessities can change like they're relative depending on what depending on the situation. Yeah. Um, and so that was something that I was thinking about throughout this episode. And also, um, I mean, I'll get into more of this later, but the, the difference between and the ties between necessity and need yes. and like what the differences were. Yeah. And I just, it's, it's funny because we had this conversation, uh, this bring me to the conversation we have, I think two days ago that we, you were like, I don't get that why people don't pick up your ship at work because in New York, like if someone give up their ship, someone will take it. Mm-hmm. And I, I looked at, and you were like, oh, the, the Quebec uh, way of, like the work, like the work ethic, I felt yeah. was a little different and here. I looked at you and said, "Yeah, but we don't need two jobs to survive here." Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, that makes sense, right?" <laughs> and, like, and, and, yeah, and it is because I, and I, I realized that I don't know anyone in New York that if that either have like I know everyone I know in the U.S. In fact, either have two jobs or struggle to survive. Yeah, and like most of us have two jobs and are still struggling to survive. <laughs> exactly. Well, for here, like it's just, like I don't say I w- we make a shit ton of money, but I think the uh, way of living is more attuned to what we make. I mean, housing for sure is a big one. Yeah, that it's much more affordable um, to live, and yeah. at least at at that. I mean, like the the, the everything the- else is kind of the same. But like the apartment we live here is a four and a half and is the same amount that you pay for one. That doesn't mean anything to anyone else. Um, it's a two bedroom. Uh, <laughs> Cultural differences. <laughs> but yeah, like basically it's the same. Like we have a two bedroom house. And that's what I was paying for one, one room, room that I shared in an apartment with three people in New York. But New York is also an anomaly. It's like, it's well, one of the most expensive places. But it was Brooklyn. That's even worse. That's not even New York. No, it, yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's a borough of New York City. It's not Manhattan. But it's considered to be New York the way that we live in Ville Saint Laurent, in case you want to stalk, uh, stalk us. And it's considered to be Greater Montreal. It's considered to be New York City. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's <laughs> when I was doing my podcast yesterday. I was like, we, we started talking like local Montreal stuff. And I was like, you know, because I work in Montreal West, I'm going to cut this out. Yes, I work in Montreal West. Here's the park I go. Like, <laughs> 
come murder me. Anyway, um, but yeah, so should we do our 30-second recaps? Yes. Ready, set, go. So basically, the people are getting ready to go at the against the beast, and they are uh, planning. But as they are coming back, uh, they get enchanted by the throne, by the curse, more than put on the throne, and they try to kill each other, and it doesn't work. And then after that, after that, they try to kill the beast, but it doesn't work. So Alice has to get out, and it's super sad. Meanwhile, Julia tries to kill uh, Reynard, but uh, the beast kind of like double cross her, and because of that, Marina is dead, and they didn't kill Reynard. And Bam. That's pretty good. All right. Ready? Yes. Go. Okay. So we've got like two different things going on. One is that um, the thrones are enchanted. They all try to kill each other. They do kill each other. Then they come back. Great. Thanks, Penny. Uh, And then we have um, Julia and Marina trying to kill Reynard. That shit goes south. Marina dies. Very sad. Cat is turned inside out. Extra sad. Um, not my wife, an actual cat. Uh, and uh, and then they try to kill the beast and everything gets fucked up because of Julia. And then, uh, yeah, Alice Niffin's out. She kills the beast, but then she's a Niffin. <laughs> you killed a cow. Yeah, that was... Moo. Can we... St- can we? Can our beeps actually just be animal noises? Buck, 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 buck. Buck, <laughs> woof, woof, woof. Um... I would like to start the, 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 the discussion mm-hmm. about, uh, about it. That for I, I've watched this show like thousands of times, mm-hmm. and um, especially this episode because I really like it because it's really um, <clears throat> it looks a lot like the the way Alice dies in the book. Oh yeah, <clears throat> it looks a lot like Alice dies in the book, mm-hmm. and um, I never I always got frustrated about why they had to do the throne and the curse in the same episode that Alice died. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I was like, we don't have this, like, moment for us to, um, to like, live her death and mourn her. But I think that was the, like, impact effect that they wanted. So I always thought that the curse thing was a filler. Mm. Until I, we looked at necessity and we saw, like, how their necessity of, like, killing the beast shift without, like... Three seconds, like, oh, wait, we have something bigger, and it's the curse. Like, the curse shift their attention from killing the beast, mm-hmm. and that was Martin's goal, was to distract people. And, like, uh, Quentin goes into that, into distraction a lot, and I'm going to come talk about it later. But how Martin used that curse to distract people to getting killed. And I never understood it until this uh, analyzing through the lens of uh, necessity, and I don't know. I, now I like I like this part, which I never liked, and that's why I love this podcast. You you know what it makes me think about, and I mean. Uh- Margot, wow, my brain just went, Elliot, Julia, Margot. Like, I couldn't think of any names. Okay, Margot brushes on this when she's like, oh, he got like this on shrooms once. But the curse very much reminds me of the one time that I like, I I, I smoked weed and I very much had a bad trip. And I was like, everyone's trying to kill me. Like, that's what it reminded me of. But that like... Like, you can be, like, the most logical person, and when you're in an altered state of mind like that, in this in, in this case being the curse, all of the sudden, every, like, all your priorities and needs shift, and it's like, no, this is the most – like, I think it's interesting also not just to talk about Penny's need to fix things, which is a need out of obligation. 
right? He's like, he's the only fucking one left. And he's like, now I got to fix your fucking problem because like, I'm not that much of an asshole, but like, you know, and I, so I think it's interesting to not just talk about his need, but also that their needs are like, I need to kill everyone. But like when I look at, uh, I looked at, um, uh, uh, a, a description of what uh, necessity is because mm-hmm. I knew the French way, but sometimes like I use a word in French that is not the same in English. What? And uh, one of the there were like three description, and one is the pressure of circumstance. Yes, and I think that's what happened. Today. Yeah, that's what I was saying when I was calling it like an obligation. I yeah. sort of meant like a yeah, similar. Like it's really the pressure yeah. of the moment that has to, and like that's why suddenly Fen holds the crossbow. And she's like, what is happening? I and love Fen. Like, like, uh, <laughs> so, also, I'm gay for Fen and a crossbow. Oh, I was like, we all know you're gay for Fen, Catherine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, and I, the the definition that kept coming up for me was something that you need, especially in order to live. Um, and I thought it was interesting that the curse made it like so that they like in order for anything to be like they need to die like they kept like I kept finding like I kept a lot there was a lot of have to which is essentially need like Alice was saying like I have to kill him meaning Quentin like I have to kill Quentin too we have no choice we have to kill Elliot we it it must be done there was a lot of must have to um or like when Elliot went to Benedict and was like, I need your help. I need a dagger. There was a lot of like need, have to, must um, that I thought was kind of interesting where it was like, it was this visceral deep, like, no, I have to, like, yeah, it has to be done. Yeah, in in the second uh, second, uh, description I had, definition, sorry, I had Mm -hmm. for for necessity was physical or moral compulsion. And I think think that's what you're going like with the need, the like, yeah. I have to, like, but it's physical or moral. And that's something I liked about that description. <laughs> it's not only, like, something that you feel, but sometimes you have to do it with your body. Mm, well, I feel like that's sort of, I think Penny was also in that place, too, where he was like, God damn it, like, I'm not a total asshole. Like, I'm not an asshole enough that I'm going to let them kill each other. Like, I have a moral obligation as, like, yeah. friends or whatever we are to, like, to help them. Like, I'm not, you know what I mean? Usually I'd be like, deal with your own fucking shit, but this is a special circumstance. See, that's, that's, that's funny because Penny is always like, oh, I'm uh, like, oh, I don't care, but he's always the first to come and help. But, him. but he left Julia later on in that situation. I mean, to be he fair. not care about him. Well, well, exactly. That's what I'm saying. So his moral compass is not such. He's in the, mm. he's in the neutral area of alignments you know what i mean like his moral compass is not such to be fair she also didn't explain the whole situation um but his moral compass is not such that he was like well i can't leave her in a position like this yeah and also like he did shot Margot. oh he did shoot her yes you shot me you cock best line ever but like the fact that like he's not it doesn't mind harming her if it means saving them. Yes, absolutely. Because it was a necessity in that moment. It was like, I need to get them all in a room and whatever it takes to get them all in a room, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And Penny's the person to do that. Like if Quentin was the one in that position, that shit wouldn't have got done. Nah. <laughs> They'd all be dead. I, I have a question. Uh, how did Penny know the potassium chloride and the thing? Like it's, that's such a specific thing to know. That's a great question. I wonder, well, I wonder like, did he? Because he and Fen were sort of, weren't they? Sort of figuring things out together. Yeah, the fact that Fen knows more about curse than Penny 
Also, I have question about that. But but I think like I wonder if that was something that they brainstormed and like came up with together, or if that was no, something that like, oh, he's yes, he was I like, have. I have an idea. Yeah, and left. yeah. And she's like, what? What? Maybe his idea was, I know someone sciency. Oh, I think he knew about the, the potassium chloride. Yeah, maybe so like, he maybe he just like saw it in an episode of House. Maybe. <laughs> I feel like that's something you'd see on TV and then be like, I bet that's true. And then you go and like do some Googling. He went to go Google. He gets no service in Fillory. I also like that like when he uh, he killed him, I'm I'm jumping a bit, but uh, he said, welcome back, loser. Like as a like, oh yeah, I have to look tough and still hate Quentin, but I did save his life. Um. But before that, uh, first, can we talk about uh, Alice's little uh, step when she said... Oh, when she's like, when she's like, gonna... I'm going to go kill him too. You know how she, you know how she walks? She walks like when you're wearing a dress or a skirt in Animal Crossing with the little arms like swaying at the sides. Oh my God. That's what it is for the one, for the one person who gets that reference, you will laugh. Look at that walk. It's the same thing. And... I also wanted to say, like, going back to even the recap of the previous episode, I was, yeah. like, thinking, like, there was a lot of, like, like, we need the random and ultra. Like, it is our last resort. Like, we cannot survive without the random and ultra. And we, we need more god power, right? There's a lot of, mm-hmm. like, we need these things because they're a necessity. Like, defeating the beast is a matter of survival. Yeah. And so needing those things becomes a matter of survival in the way that food and water would be yeah. in a normal scenario. You know what I mean? It's like because the scenario is shifted right on a regular day, no one needs the vitamin ultra, right? Like you don't wake up and you're like, I need to go eat. I need to take a shower. I need the vitamin ultra. Like, yeah, that's at this point in the yeah. Like it is. yeah. So, so it's interesting that idea that circumstances can shift our needs. And it's funny because like uh, like when they decide to go undergang on each other and kill everyone, <laughs> uh, Margot is the one that finished winning at the end. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like the like kind of foreshadowing that's what's going to happen to her, which is being the only one of the Trump has I king. Mm, that's and, really interesting. And I don't know if it was like because like we know that like she has a lizard and it's her birthright boss, and it was like known that she will become the high king mm-hmm. if. Uh, that was like the first foreshadow, the first hint that Fillory gives that like she has power. Or, like in Fillory, she has the, the yeah. right to do a high throne. But she seems a high queen. She doesn't say high king. Mm-hmm. I'm, the, I'm the motherfucking high queen. Yeah, I mean, that's her right to identify that way. <laughs> yes, titles. Okay. Anyway, so the other thing is I like that Penny needs Fen's help. Yes. I think that's one of the first times someone needs Fen. We start to like. Yeah, the fir- I think it's the first time that they go ego seeks her, but like, I, I like I'm sure Penny would have been able to do it alone. But like, I. But it. I, I truly think that like he went to Fen because like oh maybe she has another person. Yeah. And I don't. Know well, that. and he was like that with Katie too. Well, and also out of necessity, like she's the only person left, right? That he can really talk to. That's. At, at sort of at their like sort of in their gang almost yeah like that saw him once. yeah right 
but I, so in a way it's like he talks to her out of necessity because she's the only one there. But like at the same time, he doesn't, he doesn't technically have to, he could try to do it alone, but I think he realizes that in this, he needs someone else to help him with this. Like he has the foresight to be like, these are four people. I've got funky hands. Like I'm going to need, and in, and in the end he doesn't need her because he drops the crossbow and like, she, you know, he's adding, you know, his limitation. Yes. Which is good. Good for you, Penny. Boundaries. Yeah, like, no, but it's also like, you know, he's on the station and he knows how to, for him to survive and not to like be hurt in the whole thing is to have backup. Yeah. Which usually like on, on TV, we see that as a sign of like weakness that you go ask for someone and blah, blah, blah. But for him, no. he, he used it as a strength. Yeah, it's a sign of strength for sure. Especially for Penny, who usually is like the lone wolf. I can do it by myself. He knows in this circumstance, like I don't have time for my own bullshit, like ego trip. Like, yeah. I need to just like, get this done. Because the beast, because of the necessity of killing the beast, we need to do this yeah. so that we can get to, we need to check this off the to-do list so that we can yeah. kill the beast. <laughs> kill friends, kill beast. Take, eat an, um, eat an ice cream sundae. <laughs> but also, like, the witty dress fan was, like, an all in pink and with flowy hair, like, like this princessy vibe. Yeah. Like that, like, she could have looked, like, helpless and he's, like, no fucking, like, Marvel yeah. called her farm girl. Like, <laughs> we see the way the people see her, but he's, like, yeah. no, maybe she, like, I'm gonna give her a crossbow and she's gonna help me, like, like, respect Penny, your pro fan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, after they uh, all died and came come back, uh, Al- we see Alice, um, uh, like, bracelet start mm-hmm. to burn and she say it's time. And then, we see their necessity when from like surviving the throne to the beast again. Yeah. And like the, the it's time put a frame on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, like it's now or never. Yeah. And then <laughs> they're talking, they're talking about like what to do. And you say this sentence, imagine this. Which, what the fuck? And Because <laughs> they needed an example. Well, exactly. And you say, yeah, but like you got distracted and now uh, Alice power up and Alice is like beaming with pride. Yeah, she's like, ooh, go cute. But it's this, like he does that too later on with Alice when they're in the carriage and they're going to see the beast. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, yeah, oh, uh, like food for thought, uh, what, the, what you're going to do after the beast. And she's like, I don't know. He's like, I'm distracting you right now. Yep. And I think that's how... Quentin cope yeah. with the stress. Uh, and, and I think that's how a lot of people with anxiety and depression cope. Hello! <laughs> but like, that, that, like the, the, the need of distraction, like if you go to like the moment in yeah. about something or he, like he has to wait and think about something that he doesn't want, he go to discretion and I adore that he weaponized it against mm-hmm. his enemy. Yeah. Like, it, that's like, that's, I think that's why I like you that he has his flaws and he has like those, those coping mechanisms, but it uses as a strength instead of as a crutch. Yeah. I love that too. And, yeah. Something else that I, I was thinking about was, well, there was a couple of things still in this sort of scenario, which was that, um, like they needed the Keiko demons or that they felt like they needed the Keiko demons to defeat the beast. And then they wasted like all of them, uh, except for, except for Quentin. Um, it's like that in the book too. Which I think it's interesting when Margot is like, Oh, cause you're like a pussy or whatever that you didn't that you didn't use yours and i'm like that is just a defense mechanism because you feel fucking stupid for using yeah. yours <laughs> and yeah. quentin is the only one who didn't and you still need to like put him down <laughs> and, uh, and also the fact that like she like they all went to that ex- 
excruciating, excruciating pain and like being for, for the dean that was the one way to kill the big that was necessary mm, yeah. for them to have a demon in their back and they wasted it and we can see that like what you think is a necessity maybe not be and go yeah. to, your, to your lush face cream yes the, the day you don't need it but like could be a good weapon yeah excuse me it is a weapon against wrinkles and dry skin but what i'm saying is like they didn't need the caco demon but in the end that's what saved them from alice that's true so but they did and they but they didn't needed that for the thing they thought so it's like necessities aren't always for what you know i bought that moisturizer just as a regular moisturizer but now i mix it with my acne cream and it helps my face not dry out when i use my acne cream too so that's a, it's a perfect it's like the dicks analogy yeah it's a perfect analogy okay things you don't always need things for what you think you need them for but they could still be necessities. Um, but anyway, the other thing I think that's interesting about the Keiko demon uh, going off that is like that they need permission to be set free. That they're I'm essentially, that, that they're trapped. I mean, they're essentially trapped, which is why Alice is like, I could feel it trapped in there. I felt bad. And she becomes like a, uh, a hippie and is like, go, go free. Have you, have you seen parents? Of course. <laughs> God damn it, Stephanie. <laughs> we haven't said it this yet this season. God damn it, Stephanie. <laughs> Oh, well, we were going to say it the next episode. Oh, I'm sure. Well, the other thing is um, I like the idea that they need to die to survive. Me too. It's necessary for them to die in order to survive. And also I like that when Penny is talking to Fen and Fen's like, well, the curse has to run its course. Instead of Penny thinking, well, how can we stop it? How can we stop it? How can we stop it? He's like, okay, let's let it run its course. But then how, what do we do after that? Yeah. Like, he's like, okay, they have to die, period. He's not spending two, you know, hours and hours trying to figure out how to... Come curse. Yes, exactly. And I think Alice would have done that. Yes, because she's too analytical sometimes. Yeah. And so I like the idea. I like seeing this different kind of, of thinking instead of thinking, I need to find a way to fix fix it. He's like, okay, I need to let this run its course. And then you see, I where think do we go Alice from there? at the end will have found a counter-curse. It's just like, it's just two way of handling a problem. Well, that's what I mean. I think it, their needs in that situation were, were different. Like yeah. for Alice, it would have been, I need to find a way to fix this. She's a fixer. Yeah. And, and Penny was like, was also trying to find a way to fix it, but he's like, okay, I need to understand that like, that's, that's a fact. And I need to figure out how to bring, the bring them back. Boot smart and street smart. Yes, exactly. And I love um, that. I have a question that has nothing to do with necessity, but going Great. there on Sunday, what the fuck? What, you've never seen that? So, like, sometimes if you go to an ice cream place and they have a bunch of toppings, I think even at the dippery near us, they have... I don't look at toppings, I can't have them. You, they're in separate jars, you can't? Well, yeah, at the dippery, but usually... A lot of places. Well, uh, yeah, because Kat is allergic to peanuts, she doesn't look at toppings at topping bars usually, so she doesn't know that gummy bears are a pretty common option. But, like, it must become hard with the... I agree. I think that it's a kind of a weird choice, but some people like it. Uh, and I don't, as as my friend Nico would say, I don't yuck anybody's yum. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. It's and a good like, one. The, the, the whole uh, uh, moment in the carriage, I always saw it as... The author wanting to, the writer write, uh, needing this uh, closing moment. Yeah. Alice and Q before she dies because she's like, we know what's going to happen. But I also think that I, I never understood that Q thought he would die too. Mm. It was not just the writer saying like, okay, 
like no q was saying goodbye to alice you know and alice like in her head well that's another story but like i don't think she was like seeing her death yet yeah you know meanwhile q was like no i'm gonna die so at least i'm gonna like make that and i always thought it was like more of a meta thing but like in the show it's rather i even tell her like i'm, I'm gonna I'm, am i going to die and i have clarity over like bullshit but uh, and also he says i need to earn back your trust Yes. Like, it's not like I want to. He's like, no, like, this is like now I'm having clarity in this moment. And it's like, it's important to me. It's life or death. Like, I need to prove to you that I can earn back your trust. Like, and it's not I need to uh, earn back your love. Yeah, it's trust. It's trust. I think you miss having the friendship. I mean, Alice is a friend. Well, I think anybody who's lost someone's trust can understand that, like, that feeling. As someone that you really care about and you messed up and you lost their trust, I, like, I can remember a moment, and to be fair, this is a very nuanced situation, but I remember a moment as a kid where my mom said that I lied about something, and she's like, well, you need to earn back my trust now. And I was like, whoa, like, that's really heavy, you know? Yeah, um, the other thing that I sort of, I was, I was sort of finding places where people actually said like need or have to or must or things like that. And uh-huh. another situation in which this happens is when Fen and Penny are in, I was about to say the courtroom, the throne room. <laughs> this is, this is now like SVU or something. Um, when we say la cour. Oh, excusez-moi, la cour. That's like heart. No, so that's car. Uh, yeah, it's because it's got that weird O-E that are attached at the hip. Anyway, French is a weird <laughs> language. So so they're in – Penny and Fen are in the throne room, and his uh, – you know, he, he needs the, the chains, and his hands are going a little funky, and he, like, can't pick up the thing. And Fen says, can you do this? And Penny says, what choice do we have? Like, like we're backed into a corner. It's a necessity. Like that's it. We need to, mm-hmm. and maybe there are other, cho- like maybe, maybe there are other ways. Like maybe there is a counter curse. We don't know. But in this moment, Penny's like, this is the only thing I can think of. This is what we've got to do. We've got street smart. Yeah. Street smarts street with JJ Bittenbinder. <laughs> okay. Hey everyone, just before we talk about the big battle, I just want to take a few seconds of your time to thank all our patrons, people like Elliot that give a bit of their money. Oh, their construction. Lovely. Uh, so people like Elliot that give a bit of their money and, and help us continue the show. If you want to help us continue to improve the show, go on patreon.com dash United. That's a Philorians with an S. You will have access to bonus audio. Like last week, we had this hour-long talk with the girl from Physical Kid Weekly. It was really a... It's a good episode, honestly. One of my favorites I've recorded yet. Also, I just want to tell you, I am aware that the audio in this episode is wacky. Uh, My microphone decided not to work. Hooray! And then I discovered my bunny ate it. So now I have a new headphone. (laughs) And everything will be hopefully better recorded since then. So I will let you go and see you at the ending. Don't forget to stay till the end because we have a blooper. Bye. Um, are you okay with us going to the final battle? Yeah, totally. Okay, Amber didn't need to shit in the well frame. <laughs> but he did. But someone needed to do something about the beast. Yes, and the thing <laughs> is, you asked me, like, why didn't he shit in the well frame before? Yeah. 
Martin was not weak. Martin has one arm less. And basically, mm. Amber was thrown away from Fillory, or was like uh, secluded because. Oh. I mean, like, you fucking free the god with Renard. Like, yeah. Martin is powerful. It's just, is at a lower power right now. Even, like, even a. But, I'm say like, oh, you're six digit less. But I'm saying, go on a stakeout, see when he goes to the wellspring, and when he's not at the wellspring, take a poo poo. But the thing is, he couldn't, because the moment he will go back to Fillory, Martin will have killed him. But he was in his little cave, which is in Fillory. No, it's in Loria. Okay, it's in Fillory, but in Loria. Okay, listen, this is like Quebec City, Quebec, or New York, New York. Name it something else. I know. Very complicated. And, and also, uh, and also the fact that um, he uh, wait. So he but, was only banished from the like province of Fillory, the, and, the, the, the part that Martin couldn't, and not the. So he didn't have control over the whole world. No, of the land. Well, no, of the land. Of, technically, uh, but so like not, not the other. Idris has, has the control of of Loria, uh, and so they still have mat, and they still have magic there. Sorry that we're gonna talk when one day more come back. Okay. <laughs> That's later in the show. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember. I just uh, don't remember. The same with, uh, with Gloria, but I'm, I'm gonna, gonna call them provinces, <laughs> <laughs> city, city states. <laughs> <laughs> but the, I, I, and um, uh, what's his name? Amber went to shit when Martin was not even in Fillory. He was in New York. Also, he's like five years old. I'm gonna take a poo poo in your wellspring. Dude, he's the god of chaos. I know, but he's not the god of poo poo. That's different. <laughs> I wonder who is the god of poo poo. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, I, I I really think that like he didn't need it to do that, but mm-hmm. as the god of chaos and the god uh, like uh, a way to like come back at him because he knew that Martin, the moment will be weak, he would yep. go back there. So yep. he, he waited for Martin to, to be weak and for him to go there. Because like he could like rub it in his face. Uh... And apparently, it stunk. I know that was amazing. That's good acting. And, but the thing is, he doesn't care of the consequences. And like, we get to know why later because, like, basically, Emperor doesn't care and want to destroy the world anyway. Yeah. So, like, he doesn't care of the consequences, but like. This is like when you let your Sims play itself. Oh, yeah. And like, shit's just on fire and everyone's dead, and you're just like. <laughs> exactly. no, but it, it is a perfect, a perfect thing. Is that because, like, it's a game to him. Exactly. And he doesn't see their life as like. It's, oh, there are consequences. Well, that's just gonna be more fun. It's like, like it's he like knows that by fouling, uh, even uh, Elliot say like he shot it in the wellspring. That's not gonna be good for Fillory. Like his first thing was like Fillory's knee, which for Elliot, like you go king. Like you, we, we're starting to see him transform yeah. as the king of Fillory because before he was like, oh, it's not good for us because we need magic. Like no, like you know now because of the latest le- le- earlier episode that. Ma- and, and, Fillory needs magic to grow. Yeah. Their land. So the first thing he thinks is, oh, we don't have magic. Poo-poo is the answer again. <laughs> it's poo-poo. Uh, can you tell him my nanny? <laughs> so the season two season of the Scatophilia. <laughs> scat. Season of scat. Um, so... I also think there, there's like there's some moments here that stood out to me when Alice has the beast cornered and he says, you don't have to. And she says, yeah. but I want to. And that's definitely, we could see that shift when Alice becomes a Niffin, um, that all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is like a fun, creepy game for me now. And like, it's 
documentary that uh, Nick and Alice tortured animals just to see the pretty lights. Yeah. And like she was, she became uh, sadistic as a Nick. Yes. And I think that was the first time we saw it. I would not want to go to a play party with Alice. Oh, me neither. Um, Nick and Alice. I don't think Niffins understand consent. Yeah, but she's very hot. Um, one, oh, go ahead. Well, that was weird. Um, so the, the other thing is there, there's, there's two things in, in this moment where Alice sniffens out and then the beast is gone and Quentin is like dragging himself towards her, like the need to be near her in that moment and like make sure she's okay and like reconcile this situation that he's literally like dragging himself with his one good arm and, and, uh, and Elliot says to him, you have to stop. Yeah, you have yeah, has to hold him back, and he's like, "You have to stop." Yeah, it's like not a question. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same thing that uh, yeah, it's the same thing that I felt to Elliot that like Quentin has had to kill his lover, which is the second time we see that in the show. Mm. Um, also, I want to. I have a theory about Alice that I'd like to explore with you, which mm-hmm. is Alice was ready to die before she came in. Came in. Came in where? Came into this fight in particular? Because um, the recap shows us Charlie. Mm-hmm. And with Charlie, she was ready to die and basically she stopped her. Yep. And we know that she is ready to sacrifice for people she loves. Mm. And she does love Elliot and Margot and Quentin. Mm-hmm. And um, I think part of herself knew that if she had to, she would nip it out. Yeah. Because did, I did it on purpose. Yeah. But she, like, she had this plan in her head, I think, yep. from the beginning. Well, I think that she's a planner. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm that kind of person, too, that I'd be like, okay, if this doesn't work out, what's my plan B, plan C, plan D? And, and, and I think she knew enough of Quentin that she was telling him would have, he would have stopped her. Oh, life. yeah. So, like, well, it's very similar to what happens later that we'll talk about with Julia and the Beast. And the Beast is like, well, if I would have told you, would you have said yes? No. So, like, exactly. yep. And, and I think, I truly think that uh, Alice went into the fight. That's why, that's why she be, she go like feral and like, yeah. like throw him in on a rock. And even the uh, Elliot, like, Jesus. Yeah. So good. They're surprised by, like, okay, like, she's like, She's berserking, like she's a she's going berserk. Yeah. Um. What was I gonna say? Oh, I think, I mean, if you really think about it, like she committed suicide. Oh yeah. I oh, I never I never thought about it that way until I watched I, this episode. Yeah, yeah. I I, I I truly truly believe that Alice. Well, um, she sacrificed herself for her friends. Yeah. yeah. I, I think the the conversation in the carriage. Yeah, that was like her closure, and I think it's thinking about it like that is also so horrible when you think about Quentin and his, you know, suicide attempts and, and things like that. And then watching the person that he loves kill himself mm-hmm. is like extra horrible. Yep. Uh, w- trigger warning for this episode. Yeah, Taking going. a note. Okay. Um, and also that, um, the fact that, um, this time Quentin couldn't stop her. Like they, like mm. the plot for it to happen, they, the plot needed for Quentin to be physically unable to do that, and what they did, yeah, harm. But like, if we, because we know that if Quentin was like in any shape, he would have stopped Alice. Yeah, so like the plot for Alice to be able to to sacrifice herself, basically, Quentin sacrificed himself. Yeah, too. and it's like it's heartbreaking. Mm. Smoopy. 
Mm-hmm. Um, do you have anything else for this? Or are you okay to shift to okay. Julia and the Reynard plot? Okay. So Julia needs Martin or feels like she needs Martin to fr- in order to freeze a god, right? Yeah. And so where we where we sort of start is Marina has agreed to help and they're doing the they're trying the summoning and and Marina's like oh lady of the and Julia's like you need to believe it yeah right like you need to have your the heart in it in order for it to work well, I mean, and even Renard could call it bullshit because it's like too bad you lied about it about the summoning what. Yeah, he's like, oh, too bad you lied about the summoning because she didn't even listen, but I did. Oh, I don't think he said that. Oh, that's how I I, I read that. No, uh, no, I think he he was saying like, um, I just heard him saying things like uh, that she, you know, it was that she was all alone and her life was so sad that like she. Yeah, check the script. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Those are exact quotes. TM. <laughs> um, uh, you wear that cynicism so stylish. It's too bad I know it's a lie. Is mm-hmm. it not true cynicism? Cynic will call the goddess. That must hurt to know that she wasn't listening. Oh, no. Okay. Okay. So basically doesn't believe in her nor- uh, cynic. <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't believe that she's a cynic, because, but, like, really, she didn't actually call him, but he doesn't know, like, try to call yeah. to the goddess, but he doesn't know that, and he's just saying there's no way you could really have that cynic. He's trying to wear her down. Yeah, and it works. Well, he has to turn her cat inside out first. Can we, can we talk about animal cruelty and the magician here? Yeah, I... Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, listen, y'all, please stop hurting animals. First the bunny... And then there's a cat, and then and then and then the cancer puppy, and then some other. Doesn't a cat explode at one kitten? And listen, covering Ember and puppies doesn't make up for it. Or kittens, it was kittens. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't you can't just do that. It's not how it works. Um, anyway, uh, so the other thing that I I noticed is when when they're when Marina is doing the incantation and Martin pulls Julia away and she's like, what the fuck are you doing? And like, she couldn't be there. Like she needed to be somewhere else. I wrote that too, but the beast, mm-hmm. the beast not telling her what, like it was necessary for the beast not to tell her for the, the spell to work. Yeah. Because otherwise it's a bit like you said, with, like you said earlier with Quentin and, and Alice, that it would have stopped her. Like, yeah. Julia would have said no, and we can say, like, oh, and you're telling me that now. But, like, yeah, because you wouldn't, I'm not saying that's ethical, uh, but I do think it's true that if he told her, she would have been like, no, we need to find another way. And for her, that was a need. Like, absolutely not. Like, she felt the very, the same way about using bait or anything like that. She was like, absolutely not. We're not doing this. It wasn't until Marina actively agreed on of her own volition. Yeah, that like, she was like, as, okay. As, an assault, uh, as a sexual assault survivor, it is important, like the, the concept of consent. Yeah. And yes. like knowing what you're going into. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the only reason she agreed to let Marina help. It's because yeah. Marina was like, let's get this motherfucker or whatever she said. Yeah. Um, 
And then, so after he takes her, uh, he takes her away from the whole scene with Marina, then he says, you know, we, we need to find Foxy before he's finished with his prey. Um, yeah. <laughs> but he's such an asshole. Um, it's, the, 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 the nursery rhyme you sing, is it a real one? I've never, I don't think it's a nursery rhyme. It kind of sounds like it could be, but I've never heard of it. Okay. Um, can we talk about the fact that Marina's cat is called Cupcake? <laughs> so she, so she's not a total cynic. He's right. But then, no, I think it shows like everything we need to know about Marina that she has this like tough attitude, and she's like, I'm not scared of you, but like she she is so scared that like at, when uh, Julia and the Beast uh, free her, she like shows vulnerability in front of of Julia, and like you see her like shaking and trembling, and she spit on, on Reynard. Yeah, like you can see her, like she was freaking scared. Yeah, and I think that showing a black cat named Cupcake is like it's it's Marina. She's a black cat named Cupcake. (laughs) I love that because like black cats are known to be like the less adopted uh, cats, and because they bring there's bad chance and blah blah blah, which is yeah. But uh, I I really think that like and like he turned her inside he turned the cat inside out which is what he's doing with marina mm-hmm. like, and like, pulling her in yeah inside out but like metaphorically which he did with the cat wow that's cool the, yeah it, it also it's making me think about yesterday i was um recording an episode of a child care podcast that i do and we were talking about family and the idea of like chosen family found family um and what what's the difference between like family and relatives right and we were talking about this idea that like there's a sense of vulnerability that you can have with people you consider your family and comfort like you can be vulnerable in front of them right you can wear your pajamas in front of people you consider to be your family whereas maybe my great aunt ruth i'm not going to go see her wearing my pajamas right yeah. that might you know and and so it may it just makes me think about that uh in that moment where marina can show that vulnerability in front of julia because they've developed this relationship and i think it's it's also they have this flip floppy relationship of needing each other. They have this very codependent relationship of like Julia needs Marina in the very beginning because she needs magic. And then, uh, you know, and then it's like that need to get back at Marina. And then all of a sudden it's like, I need you for help. And then it flips and Marina is relying on Julia for help at the very end of this episode, which, you know, ends up not being, unfortunately not working out but i think they have this very kind of codependent relationship that i didn't really think about until this episode and thinking about it through the lens of need and necessity mm-hmm. and no, i i totally agree and uh i have one last thing do you have more yeah i have a bit okay continue then I have um i was going to say uh, leah i don't know i was thinking about reynard a lot and what reynard's needs are like to get at, to get at his mother yeah, I mean, but I, I guess I was thinking about it in the greater sense of this, like, uh, it's just like the idea of, I don't know, I just think of kind of like psychopaths and people who you like kind of can't reason with. And this idea of like, you're in this position where nothing you say is going to matter because you mm-hmm. don't have like, you're not what they need mm-hmm. as the victim or whatever. Um, and what was I saying? Oh, and also this idea of of Reynard like digging on Marina like 
uh, Marino being alone, like you need to have someone else like you, which is like, okay, seriously, you're like, oh, you don't have a man in your life, like get over yourself. Um, But that he's digging on that, that how there's this idea that everybody needs someone, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, let me see what else I had. Oh, when he bites her finger off. Um, because that, that magician needs it. <laughs> that's exactly what I wrote down. Like, yeah. that, I think, I mean, also, I don't know. I've never had my finger bitten off, but I feel like I would be in shock and be like, ah, my finger, which is how she reacts. But I think there's also that added element. It, it Okay, it reminds me of, I had a friend over and they, we were cutting bread and they cut their finger <laughs> We have a whole saga with our bread knife has cut many fingers and no one else is allowed to use it but me anymore at parties. Uh, But anyway, so my friend cut their finger and they were freaking out. It was like a fairly deep cut. They were okay. They got a couple stitches and they were fine. But it was a fairly deep cut and they were freaking out because it was their cello playing finger. And they just started playing cello again and they were like, oh my God, like I'm not going to be able to play cello. And I I need that finger. Yeah. Yes. And not just, it wasn't just like, oh no, my finger, but there was an added element. Like I need that finger for something. Um, and so I think about that also in that situation with Marina, where she's like, fuck, someone just bit my fucking finger off. But also like, I need that for magic. Magic is even in that level of like, you're in immediate danger where you feel like you're like, she's going to die. Right. She, in that moment probably feels like she's going to die. Um, which ends up being true. Right. But in that, even in that moment, like all of a sudden it's like, oh no, but I need that for magic. Yeah. Uh, in case I do make it out of this. Um, and uh, just, uh, we know that uh, like Renard talks about like being alone and not having yeah. a brother or cat. But in uh, season four, Marina talks about having a girlfriend. So I think... Is this the other, the other Marina? Yeah. Mm. Uh, she called her my future wife. Aww. Yeah. So I, I do think that Marina did something to that girl in this uh, timeline that made her broke up with her, mm. and and that's why like the you're alone strong to her. Yeah, because like because you could tell that's when it starts to. Yeah, like get to her and like oh you want like because she's like oh you want me to feel lonely because like maybe like yeah. that was like the first like ouch. And she has this, she also has this need to stay in control. Like she's always in control of situations and she has this need to like keep her cool and be like, oh, you think I'm afraid of you? Like even in that situation where she's tied up and vulnerable, she like has this need to be in control and not to let him get to her. Yeah. Um, And then the last thing that I had written down was when they have that moment where Reynard or uh, rather uh, Martin and Julie disappear and they have that like they both look at the knife and then they go for the knife moment yeah. that like desperation um like but that they, like they both knew their needs what that knife yeah like they both needed that knife and yeah. that was like absolute survival need yeah for both of them their need was the same yeah and i thought that was interesting and then yeah. for my last one i have um <laughs> julia didn't need to get uh take penny's second race flip <laughs> And I think she did, like, she did that all spite. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I like... Her and Alice, if they weren't such enemies, they would be best friends. Like, I could imagine them being the bitches of a school. I truly <laughs> think that they will have a love-hate sexual relationship. Because <laughs> they are the pettiest bitches. Like, like that's the level of, of Alice just sitting on the end of that bed waiting for Quentin to wake up to be like, I see you. Yeah. Just, like, exactly. doing this out of spite. Yeah, and like she and like she's dramatic, but also she's kind of sensitive. So she's used to that. Yep. You know, <laughs> of like those big, those 
like she her action shows something mm-hmm. a lot of times that her words don't say and i think that was the fuck you she needed for yep. like screaming me up oh my gosh so do you want to shift to doing lectio Okay, so um, we're gonna we're gonna shift now to doing our lectio divina, and um, which is a spiritual practice. Um, originally, I want to say it was done by Franciscan monks. I, I always say this, and then I'm like, I need to look this up. Um, look it up now. Monastic practice first established in the 16th yeah. century by Benedictine of Nursia. Oh, Benedictine. Yeah. Okay, Benedictine, not Franciscan. So I wonder what it's, I guess it would be considered Benedictine. I mean, I don't need to say that. I'm just kind of curious now. Um, But anyway, all right. So I'll just, let me bring this back. Okay. So um, we're going to do our practice of Lectio Divina now, which is a spiritual practice um, that was uh, originally practiced by monks. um, And we are not monks, but also we're not doing this with the Bible because that would be a weird segment. Um, Could you imagine (laughs) And now we're going to just take a look at the Bible for fun. No, but let's talk of Jesus. Um, but anyway, so what we're going to do is we're going to take a sentence or phrase from the script of the magicians, and we're going to do Lectio Divina, which has uh, a couple of steps. So first we're going to look at what's literally happening, like what's ha- what is happening in the text or in the show. Then we're going to, for the second step, think about like what stories or things it remind us of um, just in general like any story, maybe a myth or whatever. Um, The third step is uh, what does it remind you of in your own life? And then for the fourth step, we're going to think about what we feel called to do from all of the discussion brought forth by this sentence. So without further ado, Kat, what is our our phrase? Alice is going full Harry Potter, part seven, eight over there. (laughs) Get out. I'm going to reread it. Alice is going full Harry Potter part seven dash eight over there. So for our first step, what's literally happening is that um, it's when Alice is about to niffin out and she's doing the um, uh, Rhineman Ultra for the third time now and uh, is, you know, is niffing out and is like going hard and she's like hardcore, you know, doing battle magic with the beast and yeah. Elliot and Margot are like hiding behind a rock and Elliot says this to Margot. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. So, uh, Kat, does this remind you of any any stories? Well, let's not go with Harry Potter. Because <laughs> it's the... But uh, I don't know. For me, it makes me think of all the fight scene and the st- in the story that like the hero has to like go berserk. Mm. Like, uh, berserk is a D&D term, for those who don't know where... It's also just a term. Okay, but in D&D, it's where the player basically lose control of himself mm-hmm. and doesn't in the battlefield and doesn't see who's good and who's bad is just mm. fighting and i think um, a lot of, of shows like the hero has to go berserk in order to like master the 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 the, the villain and i think it's in, it's interesting that like this oh you had it in, in within you but you had to go like deep into it mm-hmm. for it to happen and yeah, it makes. I'm trying to find like a, a specific title, and all I can think is, um, oh, <laughs> I'm thinking of Star Wars, <laughs> and because like basically, uh, learning to be a Jedi is learning not to go berserk, mm. and a Jedi that go berserk and follow his emotion and go deep and go dark is a Sith, and it's the struggle between Luke 
trying not to go into that and Anakin, which is his father, become, becoming Darth Vader, spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> uh, like going full berserk and like he ended up like killing kids and like killing everyone he loves because like he went super berserk and it, it's the duality of like what do you do to overcome your, your own villain and I think Star Wars showed that there's no good answer. I, I'm sorry I'm going with Harry Potter. Um, but it just, it makes me think about the very similar uh, thing, like the, with, you know, Voldemort being the sort of like berserk, chaotic, um, we're going very D&D this episode, uh, but like version of what Harry could become, you know what I mean? Um, and this idea also, it makes me think of when, um harry uses what is it sectum sempra on draco and has and has that moment of oh like this is the first big step i've taken to doing something dark and like losing control of myself and it's funny uh, because harry didn't know what sectum sempra was doing he was just so mad that it did the spell yeah exactly and so uh-huh. that level of just like doing something you don't even know what's going to happen but you're just so mad and you let your emotions get the best of you and and um so it makes me it makes me think of that and it also makes me think in a more vague kind of general sense of in just a lot of like traditional like myths and modern stories as well when the hero sacrifices themselves for something yeah. um there's this very big like oh you know the hero sacrificing themselves dramatically and you know and uh, you know, knowing, going into it, knowing that they are the, the one who has to do this. And they do have this conversation. This is going a little yeah. bit back, but about Alice sort of being, you know, in, the chosen one instead of Quentin. And I don't know. So it makes. Oh, you're right. That's true. Yeah. So Alice is now the chosen one and the chosen one always dies for their friends. <laughs> you, sometimes they're magically brought back by a rock, but you know. You know, sometimes. Um, um, yeah. And, and also like the, the, Seven part eight. I don't know. For me, it's that seven part seven dash eight. It, it, it <coughs> makes me think that sometimes a hero's journey is more than one thing. Mm. Like if we go, uh, let's go with Harry Potter. Um, it takes seven books for Harry to to kill Voldemort. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't kill him in the first book. In fact, in the first book, we just acknowledge his existence. So I think that like, and I, I think we see that. Um, in the show too that like martin or the beast is not the main villain because now we are like oh remember when the beast was or the least of- okay but that always happens the first season villain then teams <laughs> up with the people and then you defeat a bigger baddie yeah but i know but that's what i mean that yeah like what you think is the villain of your life yeah. right now or like in in in, in the it's a bit okay hunger games mm-hmm. uh katniss is fighting the capital she's fighting the capital and at the end she kill uh, the the leader of the rebellion because she realized she was going to do the same thing. Mm. So I think mm-hmm. like it's easy to have like your idea of what your villain and what your quest is and what your life is going towards, but there's always something more, something bigger. You always have to look at like big picture in order like it, it's just easy to say that like what's the expression? Hindsight twenty twenty. Yeah, twenty twenty hindsight. Yeah. Yeah, and like that, it's easy to say <laughs> that, that now, but like. At the end of the day, Martin was not the big thing. As f- 
as far as like what does it remind you of in your life this is making me think about uh very similarly to what you're talking about this idea that I think a lot of times we like even in my own life or you and I have this conversation a lot about getting caught up in the present and not seeing the whole picture and thinking like I think about my life as a book and like if if something bad is happening to me currently then I'm just in the dramatic chapter before the good stuff starts to happen like this just it's going to be resolved and then in a couple of chapters I'm going to be there's going to be some other big baddie and I'm going to be like I don't even remember that thing that I was so upset about two chapters ago I remember like panicking about exams yeah yep and now it's like calling you crying yep and now it's like like, (laughs) now And now we just and now we just cry when we have dreams about exams. <laughs> Dude, I still dream that I haven't passed a class in high school and I have to do my high school all over again. My mom just turned sixty and she still has dreams about school, it's like nightmares dad. about school. <laughs> my dad still wakes up thinking he has given his master's. Oh my god. School, our theme is school is traumatic. That's what the whole theme of the break bills is. School is trauma, literal trauma. These children need a therapist. Um, so is there, is there something that it reminds you of in your life? Um, I would say that I am the kind of person that go black and white, mm-hmm. that uh, the thing in front of me is insurmountable, <clears throat> that is like, uh, I can never do it, or mm-hmm. like it's impossible to do, or like I, I, and I think sometimes it puts me into this black and white mentality that you call me on, on, on <laughs> a lot about uh, what I and I hate when you say that that like oh yeah, but what what you're freaking out about in a year won't be yeah important, and it's true, but at the time that's not <laughs> another story, but the fact that like. Like uh, when you have this black or white vision of life that you want it or not, um, you feel you make things bigger and villain villainer or like hardship harder because you don't allow nuance mm-hmm. in your life. And I think that this makes me think of that of this like like oh my Martin is the biggest villain I'm never gonna have, but in the end it wasn't. It was just forging you for becoming power, more powerful for what's coming up mm. and yeah that's what making me feel so uh our fourth step is what do you feel called for or called to do and i think for me um i'm sort of called to live in the moment and not worry so much about the next chapter um yeah. while still remembering that that moment is not forever if that makes any sense, yeah. if it's a yeah, ba- yeah. if it's a bad moment, it's like okay, this is just one chapter, but also not worrying so much because I'm a very much a planner and very much like okay, but what like right now um, in two months I'm gonna need to look for a new job and I'm already like okay, but what am I gonna do? This could be for the rest of my yeah. life. I'm like you know, um, and so You've been, like trying to adjust yeah before you came back. It's, a, it's like a balance between, yes, of yeah. course, I need to look for a job before my job is over, but I don't need to be freaking out and thinking that it's going to be the rest of my, you know, just worry about the next the next step and what I am yeah. what I need to do right now and not yeah. in, you know, two months and just relax. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you? What do you feel called to do? I feel called to do to um, allow myself, like, the, that what I'm feeling is valid, mm. like, Alice was feeling angry and like 
all those things. But at the end, like she looked like Harry Potter part seven, but she looked like freaking mad and all the battles thing. But her feeling was valid, but what she did was also harmful. Mm. And I feel called to, yes, uh, like I'm still working on my black and white vision and add out new ones, but also to see that even if my feelings are valid, doesn't mean they don't hurt me. Yeah. And, and to acknowledge that, okay, I am hurt by that or this give me this emotion, but it is not good to allow that in my life and how can I work on it? Yeah, absolutely. And I, yeah, and I think that's, yeah, that's what I'm called for. I love that. Um, all right, do you want to do our uh, flower and our vase? Oh, yeah. Okay, flower and vase. Um, so... Right. So uh, the flower is the vase in a, is a, an old saying that uh, you don't give backhanded compliments. So you don't give a, a, a flower and then the vase. So like you're not, not saying, um, what's a backhanded compliment? Uh, um, oh, you're pretty for a girl. Yeah. I don't know. You're funny for a girl. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, so... Um, so we decide to give a flower, which is a positive thing to one of mm -hmm. the characters, and a vase to something that is uh, more negative to a character of the show. And for me, I will go giving a flower to Penny, because <coughs> mm -hmm. uh, you made me realize how much he, like, he could have done it alone, uh, but he went to get help from someone that is not seen right now by the crew as someone strong. Like, we are going yep. to discover fan like awesomeness and strength and like ownership in the like the third and second and uh, third and fourth season but right now she's just this meek Philorian girl that is trying to like be the wife of a king and I think uh, I, I want to like give that to Penny who see potential in Penn that nobody saw before mm -hmm. and that like I think uh, he, he, he lived a life long enough to recognize that the kind of life he had that like the, 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 the meek girl might not be that meek. Yeah. I love and that. I'm gonna give my face to So many people deserve it. So many people, but I, I don't wanna give it to Julia, but I'm gonna have to. <laughs> Cause like there's a lot of thing about Julia and like I get it, but because of her Alice died. Yeah. Uh, because she ruined the the, the shield charm, uh, Martin could get out, and because he could get out, um, she couldn't make the spell, and she had to defend herself out. And this this whole scenario just makes me think about this song in uh, Into the Woods, where they're like, "But it's your fault." But it's your fault, you know, yeah. because it's like it's like the chicken or the egg, because it's like, well, technically, Quentin is the one who dropped the spell. Like they yeah. could have just, but Julia is the one who made them made that choice. But Reynard maybe shouldn't have just like raped people exactly. in the first but place. I'm having a hard time to decide. <laughs> yeah, but I'm gonna give her the flower. Yeah. Base yeah. For being such in her head that she didn't understand Quentin's warning. Yeah. Or didn't listen to it. Listen to it, and like when she saw Penny, uh. she didn't remind member. Quentin's warning, she just saw what she needed and that ended up injuring a lot of people. And ended up breaking her best friend's heart. Yeah. Nah. Um so I I'm going to give my flower to Marina for being there for someone in like a really real way and also um 
I mean, like risking your life for someone and also holding it together for that long. Because honestly, like this is just, this is an anxiety thing, but I think a lot about like, if I was ever in that kind of scenario, um, what I would say or what I would do. And I do not think that I would hold it together and be like, oh, what you think I'm like, you know what I mean? Like, no, I don't think that I would be, I would be weeping, Um, which I don't think there's any good about, I don't, maybe just don't people put people in those situations and then we won't have to think about what to do in them. Um, but like, I don't think there's a right or wrong reaction, but um, it's a horrible, horrible situation to be in. But I just am really like, like props to you for being in this fucking terrible situation and still being able to like, not let him win in a way, yeah. you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I'm going to give my vase to Reynard for fucking killing and raping people and turning cats inside out. Like, come on, man. Get your act together. We get it. You want attention from your mom. This is not the way to do it. And she's doing the right thing in one way by not rewarding your actions. But you need to just come on. Come on now. Because on the one hand, right, like, he shouldn't get her attention for doing these things because that's positive reinforcement for a bad action. <laughs> but, I know the other end. but also don't let your kid, you know, don't do nothing, but like, come on, get, get her. She needs to get her shit together too. Your kid is your responsibility. So she yeah. gets, she gets one too. I split my vase in half. They both get one. <laughs> I have a chisel. I split it in half and I chuck it both directions. Great. This has been Philorian United. Once again, we want to thank Harry Potter and the Sacred Text as well as Spirit Podcast for inspiring this show. We want to give an extra thanks to Vanessa Zoltan to help us knowing what Lecto Divina is all about and we hope to make her proud. Once again, we want to thank all the patrons that help us make this show and we also want to uh, tell you that if you have any questions, comments or even insight from the Lecto Divina that we just did, just go on Tumblr at philorianzunited.tumblr.com, on Twitter at philorians, or on our email at philorianzunited at gmail.com. And until then, guys, keep it sharp. Keep it sharp? Hi, this is, this is Seth talking when, when cat's getting water. I don't know why, I'm just saying words because I think it's fun. Ooh, I'm a ghost. <laughs> I'm not really a ghost. What did you say? You'll find out when you edit. <laughs> Sparkle Production.